Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. My guest is cellular biologist Dr. Bruce Lipton, author of The Biology of Belief and Spontaneous Evolution. And we were talking before the break, Bruce, about the immune system and immune-compromised people or respiratory susceptible people that have uh, uh, upper respiratory susceptibility. Do you have any advice for people in that particular community or that sector of people? And is it, a, if you have a healthy immune system, are there a different set of rules? <laughs> mm. I, I think what we have to do is alleviate the fear, first of all. Okay. Uh, about this particular uh, epidemic that's happening right now, uh, because the ref- the fear is motivated by what are called the mortality numbers. Yes. And you know, if, uh, every year there's flu season, and every year they say flu season's coming. Get your shots, and and, and people just take it in stride. And every year, about 0.1 percent of the population dies from the flu every year. Okay, mm-hmm. that's always happening. Uh, but who are those that die? And I said. Those that are compromised, and especially the older people, which are really compromised to some degree, those are the ones. And I say, if you're in that community, as you said, what can you do? And I say, it's the same thing I would do as if I was in any community. And that number one is, first of all, take care of my health. That is the number one thing. Uh, and that means uh, eating really good, nutritious, organic, you know, non-industrial farm food, because uh, the, the chemistry of industrial farm food is not really supportive. That's a problem. Uh, number two, uh, I would take any kinds of supplements and vitamins, and especially vitamin C in large doses, because that is one of the most effective agents in enhancing immune function, vitamin C. How large and, of a dose? Just give us an idea. Lastly, and most importantly as well, is Wait, Bruce, focusing ha- on fear. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. But tell us the dosage of the vitamin C. That is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, uh, it's historically been that way, and uh, I guess uh, not really supported by the conventional pharmaceutical people who, who you know, you, that's not a drug, it's a vitamin, so they're not happy with that. But Are you uh, doing like issues. three grams an hour or 10 grams a day or how much? Yeah, over, over two grams a day for sure. Three grams is good, uh, and four grams, it doesn't hurt, uh, and it's a, one of the most important uh, elements in, in enhancing immune system function. Can you uh, take historically it? Historically, has been so. Can you take it so, hourly, or is it body just going to eliminate what I, it doesn't take, use? Uh, I take mine in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and that's it, and let it go. And uh, I, I'm sure not caught up in the fear for the rest of the day as well. <laughs> uh, the fear is an unfortunate uh, uh, advertising ploy. Uh, and I say that for a very important reason, because the statistics are so skewed to not give us a real picture. And the statistics are what uh, they're using these statistics to throw the fear out, because as I said, uh, every year there's a flu season and nobody gets crazed. They, you know, get the flu shot, nobody gets crazy. And this year the flu season comes with the warning, we're all going to die. <laughs> well, this is now, I've talked to, I've had interviews about this not being the flu. This is not the same strain. It is acts differently. It doesn't behave exactly like the flu because of the level of contagion and the mortality rate. Okay, now here, here's what, why it's more, and I'll use the word aggressive, than a conventional flu, okay? okay? 
And that is this. Conventional flus, which you are coronaviruses as well, rhinoviruses or another. There's a, a little family of viruses that cause the flu. Let's understand why they cause the flu and why it's always in cold, colder weather. And the answer is this. These viruses uh, go into the respiratory system. I say why. Because they need to grow, but they can't grow well at body temperatures, uh, which is like, you know, 98.6 or 37 centigrade. Uh, they don't grow well at that temperature. They grow at lower temperatures. I say, so how can you be in a body and grow at a lower temperature? And the answer is the respiratory tract is breathing outside air. And I go, yeah, so what? I say, well, in the winter time, the air that it breathes is much colder, so the temperature, the average temperature in the respiratory tract is cooler huh. than the body temperature. Hmm. And that, this, is a, this temperature is what supports the growth of flu viruses. So that's why they come in the wintertime and they disappear more in the summertime because the temperature of the respiratory tract is now lower than normal because of the colder air. So that's number one. So don't go outside, you'll catch a cold is actually true? Well, at some level is, uh, yeah, if you, st if you keep uh, breathing cooler air, uh, the temperature of your respiratory tract is below 98.6, gets into the range that's the optimum temperature for virus growth, which is much lower than 98.6. Uh, and so the idea is this, the colder the air you breathe, the more the viruses can grow. That's a simple, that's the, the simple thing. So that's why it's called a cold, more or less. It comes when it's cold. And I say, so what? And I say, so what's, what's unique about this one? It's more aggressive. And I go, because previous strains, and we've had, all of us have had coronaviruses. If you've been around here for a few years, you, you inevitably have had them because that's the standard kind of virus. And I say, but the versions of the coronaviruses that we've had in the past, we hold a memory of. In other words, once you've been infected by something, you hold an immunological memory. If that thing ever comes back again, uh, you can handle it better, okay? When you get a novel version of the coronavirus, uh, if you don't have a memory of it, then it's going to affect almost everybody because there's, you, you don't have a previous exposure. So then all of a sudden it says, oh, well, then most people are now susceptible to having an influence from this virus. And then I go, yes, that's true. But then I also go back and say, and the extent of the influence is how, how strong your immune system is. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, half of the people that were tested that have the virus didn't have any symptoms at all. And a lot of them have symptoms, but they're not great enough to go to a doctor or to a hospital. Right. Uh, and so there's this large portion of the population, more than 50% of them with, with, the, with the virus, that have no symptoms. And you go, so what? Now, here's where the, the numbers are, are messing with your mind. And I go, how do you determine death rate? And the answer is you take the number of people that died and divide it by the number of people that have been reported to have the virus. Mm hmm I say, yeah, okay. And I say, well, uh, you, the number of people reported are those that were sick enough to go so, to a yeah. doctor over this. And so I say that number is relatively small in regard to the total number of people mm -hmm. that have had this virus and had not enough symptoms to seek medical attention. It's a flu, just like every other year. And I say, so why is it relevant? And the answer is the numbers are high, the, uh, the mortality because the number reported is not an accurate number. It's a very small number compared to those that have been infected. Mm -hmm. I say, why is it relevant? I say, if you took the entire population that has been infected that didn't get reported and then divide that into the number of deaths, it'll go below 1%. 
And I say normal year is 0.1% of people are affected. So I'm saying, okay, it's more aggressive. And I say, yes. why? Because immunological memory, uh, we really don't have it because it's relatively new, so we have to be exposed to it. Those that, again, with, with good performing immune systems, don't really have any symptoms that they could, you know, be bothered by, okay? So all of a sudden I say, so what does it mean? I say the idea that 3 to 4% of the population is going to die from, from this flu is like that's a total exaggeration, so false and so scary, because that's the one where they say, well, 2 million people could die. Right, so but well... How you get that number? <laughs> if you, yeah, and that's why they say 57% of the people, at least as I've heard in the U.S., could have it. If we did have 57% of the people that had it, and say 30% of those people did not report, do does that... More than 30%, 50%. 50%, wow, of those people would report. But let's just take, for example, do those people that have it, that don't report or don't know, have the symptoms, do they have the antibodies? But they, these are people who never went to a doctor or to a hospital. Right, but that's would they still have the, the antibodies? Comes from. That's where the report comes from. And I say, if you had a flu in previous years, you, you probably had the cold, you probably had a slight fever, you probably had respiratory problems. And you probably have immunity to it. Mm-hmm. We, we never reported it. Why? Because it was called the flu. We, you know, we got healthy, whatever we did. And I say, why is it relevant? I said, because the statistics of, of mortality are based on a false number, a small number, because that's the small number that went to get reported. The large number didn't. So I say, yeah, if you divide the death by the large number, it's not 3 or 4%. It's less than 1%. And I say, oh, now you're talking about the kind of statistics that happen every year. Uh, uh, for example, uh, every year in the U.S., uh, deaths uh, from flu range from about 12, 13,000 up to 60,000 people die every year from the flu. Within a four-month so period, where actually. Are we now? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. we have like uh, just less than 20,000. So oh, then it makes, you have to have three times as many deaths to even come to a regular year of the flu. Uh, and it's like, you're scaring the hell out of people that everybody's going to die. And I said, those numbers are misleading and they're freaky. And the, uh, and, and, and the issue is this. People die every day anyway. There's no, there's no issue about that. How many people die every day? Right. I say, yeah, but, but uh, on, uh, the CDC, well, it's actually the uh, statistics department in the health. From, oh, I mean, they, from health. obesity, from smoking, from heart attacks, from getting hit by a car. Yes, people die every yeah, day. But, the, but people that have uh, heart attacks, people that are on the edge, people that already have pneumonia or any of that, the law says that if, if the last thing they got possibly... I use the word possibly, is the COVID-19 virus infection, mm. then that's reported as the cause of death. I right, go, right. These people were dying before any of this COVID stuff was happening anyway, and so then I was going skew the numbers because they weren't dying so much. They weren't dying from the COVID. They were dying from their, their own cardiac or cancer issues or whatever it is. But if they were, uh, it's on the... But people are saying you can't, from the government. you can't compare the two, though. It's like comparing an orange to an airplane. You can't compare the two. This is what I've, I've been hearing. But let's Absolutely. go... So how can, how can you? Uh, the idea is this. Uh, if you just look at those people that have the, have the viruses and don't have the, the, the full-out flu symptoms. And here's the other thing. 
what's the worst outside? Okay, so the group that we already said, they're, they're already uh, the aged and the uh, those people whose immune systems are compromised. They're already on that special list, I said. That's a separate list because if you're there, you're already on the edge. So you've got to do everything to take care of yourself. But but the, the point is, uh, if you're not on that edge, uh, I say, well, what's the average person gets the flu, this corona, and I say, what's the extreme? And they say, respiratory distress. I say, is that lethal? And the answer is, no, it can be treated. <laughs> to non-immune compromised, yes. It, I... So uh, the scarum, the respiratory distress, actually, they just find out the statistics are beginning to show up that the use of ventilators is, in fact, maybe uh, killing people. So the, How? they're trying these things out. How would that uh, and people? How would they kill people? Because it. Do you, do you know? Uh, I didn't know this myself, but uh, to use a ventilator, you have to essentially put a person in a comatose, you know, put them into unconscious uh, body comatose thing. You have to stop the muscles from breathing. So the machine because does it the for you. Is gonna come, the pressure is coming from the ventilator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can't have the diaphragm working. Uh, mm. And so they have to give person drugs which shut off their normal ventilation system. <laughs> well, that puts them in a state, a very different mental state at that point, uh, physiologically, okay? It changes what they are. Uh, that this procedure itself is, is very caustic. It's very harmful in itself. So, so the idea is, is now when they've been looking at it in ventilator studies, so many of the doctors are saying that the ventilator, when they gave the people the ventilators, it made them worse. So because it weakens so, the system or it takes the system off of its normal um, fighting ability? Yeah, you, you have to disconnect the, the system and let the automatic machine work. Right, uh, and interesting. That, that, the, the system is a, a tightly integrated mechanism beyond anything that we could even understand. The, 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 the complexity hard to... of communication in the system, and you want to say, okay, shut it down. It's like, you can't just do that. But maybe the system really isn't problem. working to its best. I mean, if people really can't breathe, maybe that is the best thing to do. But let me ask you again about the, I didn't get the answer I needed about the antibodies. Do you yeah. think that even people that had this virus that didn't show symptoms could have the antibodies. Yeah, sure. Wow, that's, that's, that's great. They can. Uh, and that's what the system is working on and creating. Yes. Uh, and it takes about three or four days to, to get from the additional, the first day of the infection, uh, to actually get the production of the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point about it is this. Uh, it it is relieving the the consequences of it. It's a, you know reducing the aggressiveness of it in the process of of dealing with it. So it didn't necessarily shut it right off, but since it's already armed and begins to work, it doesn't go as far as it would if the immune system was not working. That's the important part. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at one a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.